the Cal Halbert Podcast. Well, 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 fancy seeing you here. Welcome back to Series 2 of the Cal Halbert Podcast. And I've got one hell of a guest to open up Series 2 with. I've got the one, the only, Rory Bremner is on the show, ladies and gentlemen. We best know Rory as a comedian, an impressionist, a political satirist, popping up on all sorts of TV shows. Uh, It has been an absolute dream chatting with Rory, uh, and I hope, You sit back, relax, and enjoy the start of Series 2. Here we go. The Cal Halbert Podcast. Well, I'm very pleased to say that on the show today, on the Cal Halbert Podcast, I've got the one, the only, Rory Bremner. Hi, Rory. Hi, Cal. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Very, very well. How are things with you? Fine. When you say the one and only, you're going to keep me to one person, not maybe do any voices <laughs> at all. Yeah, fine. I'm having a sort of, uh, as I say, my life's got about 40 towers at the moment, where you start a day uh, sort of <laughs> thinking, right, this is going to go very well. And then it starts to just unravel and just go backwards and backwards, which is always the great thing about 40 towers, which says, you know, you stick, because if you talk to John, please, you know, he said the whole thing, is it was all about the plotting, you see, because it's, it gets very frustrating, the whole plot. It's not about jokes. So it's a very good point he made, which was that um, the situation was the most important thing. And that's where the comedy came. Uh, otherwise, he said, I said, if you've just got one, uh, one situation, then, you know, you just, you're just having to come up with a whole lot of jokes. And <laughs> my life was just a whole bunch of weird stuff going on. We was sort of just meetings and all these passenger locator and travel things, trying to sort my daughter out. And my wife's just decided that throwing a puppy into the mix would be good. Not not into the mixer, just if anyone's listening. Throwing the puppy into the mix. So she said she insisted she she desperately wanted another cocker spaniel. And I said, well, you're going to have to choose. Which is it? Is it going to be the spaniel or? Um, so anyway, we went with the cocker spaniel, and uh, yes, so that has its own rewards. So yeah, but I'm alive um, and uh, kicking, and yeah, happy. Brilliant. That's excellent. That's all we need to know. That's all we need to no, know. Make good. sure you're good. all happy. Said I'm following following uh, events. Uh, um, <laughs> great, uh, as you can imagine, with great uh, great interest, and uh, I'm trying to trying to trying to follow the goings on. They, I mean, if Boris does resign, it's it's because it, my big way of remembering the COVID restrictions, they said six people from two families, which for a long time that was Boris's children. <laughs> <laughs> Although I like, technically six from three uh, families, or I think I was I was still in the second family uh, when I when I when I had the fifth and and the sixth, and, and indeed now the seventh. So um, anyway, personal R of at least uh, seven. If you've been in contact with me, any of your listeners, uh, if you've been in contact with me and have a child, get a test. Uh, <laughs> But right now we're into the things. I mean, I said to somebody the other day, I said, I hope he's, I hope he's taken out third party insurance. But I think he's now onto the fourth or fifth party. So, but goodness knows. And fourth this is fourth or point. fifth work it, meeting it, insurance, not party insurance at this tell you, you tell, tell me about it. But this is one of the things, because it's part of my job to make politicians supposedly more ridiculous than they already are. It's just um, the world has gone mad. I think it went mad around about the time when Trump was elected. And then it's yeah. gone just increasingly downhill um, since then with Brexit and Boris and all the rest of it. Anyway, uh, it's material, isn't it, Cal? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Rory, we best know you as a comedian, as an impressionist, as a political satirist on your, on shows such as Mock the Week. And uh, you did your award-winning show, Rory Bremner, Who Else? Uh, and all sorts of different shows that you've done. Had you always done uh, impersonations and impressions of whether that be actors or teachers or accents or whatever it was? 
Yeah, it was a school thing, I think, which I now, I now realise is a medical name for it, which is ADHD, um, <laughs> which is, uh, I hadn't known that at the time. And I think possibly, I mean, I'm, I'm very lucky it's kind of mildish in my case, but it just it meant it had the those symptoms, if you like, of it being quite impetuous, quite irrepressible, a bit show-offy, um, and just having a little lot of, lot of energy, really, and um, which made me a bit of a pain until I realised that I had this knack of doing voices. And so it started off with sports commentators, like yeah. uh, I think Richie Benner was an early one. I yes. think if you're a great cricket commentator uh, fan, <laughs> uh, Richie Benner, who was the great one, he was always to begin with uh, Morning Everyone. Uh, which was great because when he died, somebody just tweeted morning everyone as in M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, which I thought was <laughs> morning clever, everyone. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's the cricket commentators. And then, of course, the teachers. And the thing about the teachers is that everyone loves having the teachers imitated behind their back, yeah. even the other teachers. So that was kind of my way in. But I was also, I mean, partly helped with the ADHD thing that I, that, having a name beginning with B meant, meant I sat at the front of the class. Yes. So I kind of paid attention. So I was able, um, as I've kind of been able to do through my life, to sort of keep one foot in respectability <laughs> and trying to, try to work hard and trying to sort of keep curious and keep on top of stuff. And and the other part of me um, is the sort of the dog off the lead that uh, just has too much energy and uh, and loves making people laugh, I guess. that's um, <laughs> As the same with you. I mean, we all have been comedians have uh, you know the we, we just want to make people laugh well yeah, i saw stuart absolutely. lee last night and he's, he's his show i mean it's just built around that character of um just just uncompromising <laughs> um but very funny i did find myself laughing a lot i do think it's a very odd because the question i get asked as a comic all the time is were you the class clown and i never mm-hmm. was i never was. Oh, I, right. did, I, I did impressions in in the class and stuff and i think my first impression was that then prime minister tony blair I was doing, uh, uh, you know, so yeah, great, thanks. Uh, yeah, so uh, but you <laughs> do, going. This is good. so you do. I, I do Tony Blair, and then I realised uh, I, I was a big tennis fan as a kid, and I was a very good tennis player. And I realised I was doing impressions of the other tennis players. And my first impression, I found uh, it's so weird. It's come up today that I found it this morning. There was uh, an impression of Leighton Hewitt that I did, and it's just wow. it's just one line because I remember he did a Yonex advert, and it was. <laughs> just him playing tennis against like a, a big big articulated lorry driving around the streets of Melbourne and then suddenly it cuts to him going Yonix I like it you should try it uh, and that's, that's all I did that's very good I was thrown a bit by the idea of playing tennis against an articulated lorry and then thought God, but that's lovely give me some tennis balls come on then come on Cal I so, know this is uh, it's supposed to be an interview but uh, I, I love the tennis there's, there's a couple gone so um, I, I, obviously Andy Murray is a great, great one that lots of people yeah, do. A lot wonderful. of Andy, a lot of it. John McEnroe, who thinks there's a, there's a lot to go on with Andy's serve, and we need to keep going with that sort of thing. And so and good it, is that this now? Is that a back of the throat one? That is a back of the throat one. I, I this kind is two of, impressionists talking. Yeah, I, <laughs> I kind of put it about two thirds at the back of the throat. If that uh, makes yeah, sense. Yeah, that's good because if you're really far back, it's a bit like Kermit. It is. It? Kermit, a, yeah. Kermit is the ultimate back of the throat thing because when yeah. you start to go, you know, and uh, it kind of becomes a little bit strangulated, and then you open it up, and it's a bit like John McEnroe, I guess. Yeah, yeah you. It's, it's so weird how you find different voices that are very similar, as you say. So Kermit the Frog, and then your Roy Romanos. And, yeah, <laughs> you know. Love Love that McEnroe. It's but, great. It's funny because you talked about Tony Blair and, you know, the way that we do, both of us, it's very sort of open and very sibilant. 
Um, and then you take Chris Tarrant, which is sort of, yeah. okay, so, <laughs> okay, so is it going to be number one? Is it going to be two? But if you take that sort of blocked adenoid nose and put Tony Blair to it, actually what you get is Ed Middleband. It's yeah. really weird. So um, and if anyway, you, if yes, you, I enjoyed that you, technically. I love hearing your McEnroe then, how you worked it out. But if you if you clear the nose of Miliband, you get Keir Starmer. Who <laughs> so Tony Blair and Miliband and Keir Starmer are all the same voice at different parts of the cold. That's all it is. It's exactly right. It's weird. Every every Labour leader, apart from the Gordon Brown, Gordon Brown is different. Oh, but Labour leaders yeah. since Tony Blair has sort of sounded vaguely like Tony Blair, Ed Miliband, and, and Starmer. Starmer's a strange one because I, I I can't. I've not really done a particularly brilliant impression. When I say that about people, I usually say. If there's somebody I can't do particularly well, and they say, oh, can you do a good Keir Starmer? I always say, no, can he? <laughs> Which is kind of, and people kind of are fooled enough to laugh, and then they, they, they forget that actually it means that I haven't answered the question. Yeah. Um, but there is that sort of, you know, way of going. He's got, he's, he, he's got a sort of that echo chamber mouth that really, it's a resonant thing. Um, but... Yeah, it's not not an easy one. I mean, we don't, we always love the Boris's or the Farage's or the the Trumps who've got such big and recognisable voices. Yeah. Oh, g- give us a and bit you- of Farage, Rory. Please give us a bit of Farage. <laughs> well, 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 my God, I was chasing <laughs> about uh, Nigel Farage. He can, he's got this inability to say anything without laughing. You know, he's a, and we're finding a lot of immigrants. Coming into this country and unfortunately drowning. You can't. What? What? Um, so yes, yeah, so, and that's the thing. And also, there's a rhythm thing. I've spoken about this before. Where him, it's uh, there's a song rhythm, and him, it's uh, my way. So it's and now the end is clear, and so I face the final curtain. Whereas with Galloway, it was um, always uh, tainted love, which is there are times I think I want to. <laughs> Get away. I want to run away from the hurt that you leave in my heart. What is it? Uh, is it? Once I ran from you, now I run to you. Take my tinted love. And uh, and then, actually, this went on another step because there was a, some Scottish comedians who were very, very funny, and they, they took this, that they'd heard the Galloway somewhere. And he did this brilliant thing about... Galloway doing this program on, I think it was Talk Sport or something. So he was hosting a thing, but it was also while the sports results were coming in. Uh, he was trying to do the two things. So Galloway, and this is a kind of reverse compliment because they picked up from my impression. So this is back to their thing, which was saying, um, uh, Tony Blair has the blood <laughs> of a million Iraqis on his hands. He must know, oh, but there's been a goal at Goodison. <laughs> And again, what's lovely about that is Goodison, because you know, had it had they said a goal, a goal at Old Trafford, it wouldn't have been. It was Goodison. So um, yeah, good little bit of, of comedy. So this we've had comedy tips already straight straight away about where the impression is in the throat, whether you start out as a school uh, clown or uh, how to how to kind of make a joke. You've got to work. It's got to work on more than one level, hasn't it? And, and definitely, I think some words are funny and some aren't. Absolutely, and and I think that's just something that you learn over time. What that certain words are funny and certain numbers are funny and things like there are certain numbers that are funnier than other numbers for for reasons that I don't I don't know. And yep. uh, and it's, well, having a K in it as well. Barry, Cow- uh, there's a very fun- Barry Cryer joke he tells about a parrot. He says. Uh, um, uh, Bloke goes into a pet shop, buys a parrot, goes to buy a parrot. Owner says, oh, you can have that one. 
was only five quid. Like, says, why five quid? He says, well, it was very bad history. It used to used to live in a brothel. So it says, doesn't matter. It's just fine. I'll take it home. So he takes it home. Takes off the the, the blanket. The, blanket on the cage the parrot goes oh new place very nice and then the guy's daughters walk in oh new girls very nice <laughs> and then the grandfather work, comes in and the parrot says oh hello keith <laughs> and keith you see because it as so many people say it's got a got a k in it and yeah. so they kind of think that's funny so um yeah but i mean i i had to learn to to write to do jokes and john langdon my dear writer who he died sadly a couple of years mm. ago and um just a couple of things about him i mean he was apart from he was legendarily late he always said do you want it funny or do you want it friday so i kind of i need it on friday um but uh he uh, there's a joke form named after him called the langdon which mm -hmm. is uh if you imagine something like you know boris johnson and his girlfriend introduced their new dog to the public yesterday um he's shambolic uh, he's badly trained and he keeps trying to hump everybody's leg said the dog uh, so you know you're going in one direction and then there's another and john always said no you know don't put jokes after the punch any lines after the punchline because if people see you carrying on speaking and they're laughing then they stop laughing to yeah. hear what you're trying to say things like that and um the last i remember the last email exchange we had just before he died we were working on i'm sorry i haven't a clue and uh it was slogans of companies, so uh, mm -hmm. and my one I thought. Uh, so I sent him a, a, a line, and he sent me a line, and they crossed in the air. And all I'd written was SussexRoyal.com, air today, gone tomorrow. <laughs> and he, the line, the email that came in from him simultaneously, he'd written exactly the same joke. So the last mm -hmm. email exchange we ever had, um, we'd written the same joke. So Fantastic. that was kind of beautiful. But um, so he taught me about. You know, uh, sort of things with, with a K in it, not jokes, not lines after the punchline. But also what I love to do is to try to, with a voice, you know, it's, it's one thing to get the voice right. Um, but if you can get the comedy right at the same time. So for years, up with Cameron, I used to say, you know, people, people used to say, they said, by the way, there's a bit of Keith Floyd in Cameron as well. You'll pick up your latest. But I, with, with David Cameron, people said, look, I mean, people said to me, that I said, you know, are you going to make, are you going to make the rich richer? Are you going to make the poor poorer? <laughs> And I think we've managed to do both. <laughs> so that was a kind of a line and a rhythm, but it suits the satire. It kind of in yeah. one line, that was what Cameron was about. Mm -hmm. So um, so there you go. I think it is very interesting what you say there about, about the context of the jokes is that sometimes if you're in a comedy club, people won't know who you're impersonating. So the joke nope. itself has to be funny. And I imagine you've had it numerous times on panel shows where someone said, oh, can you do, I, I don't know, X, Y and Z. And you do it and they'll say, oh, that was a very good Tim Hemman or whatever it was. Yep. And it, it's kind of a put down straight away that impressionists have to deal with every time when you mm. do an impression, but there's no real comeback to it other than going, well, it was a good impression, actually. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember Alistair McGowan, he, I think he, they, he, they got him on to Mock the Week, I think, or something. And uh, he did an impression. And either they said, oh, oh who was that? Yeah. Or something like that. And Alistair thought, why did you get me on? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, if you do exactly. that. Um, but yeah, I think it's got to be tough. Because I think with impressions, it's great. I mean, people laugh at the voice. Yeah. But then, you know, you just got to go. and It's got to be a little bit more than that so you've got to kind of somehow can you can you get get it into one line it's, again i mean i've 
done it with other people since. Um, but, you know, it's, it's always, it, once you've got a voice and, and material, and also as a character, because the way that a character develops is interesting, because I think you start mm. off when you hear somebody for the first time, and your first attempt at them, you, it's, you're trying to be accurate, you're trying to sound yeah. very like them, and it's got to, it can be sound, sound quite tight in the sense that, you know, it's a voice and it's sort of accurate, but it's not got a personality and a character. And then you sort of build that up. So, um, I mean, I suppose you with Trump and by the time you build Trump up, okay, Cal, it gets bigger <laughs> and you start to live with it a little bit. So it becomes, you know, you believe you could do the whole interview as Donald Trump. I don't think we want to try this, but uh, you know, the whole thing, and it becomes your creature. It's like Blair yeah. for a long time, you know, to begin with, it was very hesitant and I did. And then I sort of got into it. And I spent about four or five years being Tony Blair to the extent yeah. that, I mean, I always sounded like him at home. Yes. But you've got to just push it a little bit. You, you, It's first you learn it, then you think, okay, that's right. And then you have fun with it. Then you learn to just put a little bit of character, a little bit of colour, even if when they haven't got colour themselves. I mean, people famously with John Major, you know, they yeah. said, well, you know, there's there's nothing there. So yeah. they had to do that thing about him shoveling peas around a plate and, and do a grey uh, spitting image puppet <laughs> because they had to give him a character. So I think that's sometimes with people, when, when politicians come along and they haven't got a character, you've got to sort of think up one. And that's what spitting image did very well, I think, in mm. the 80s, because you think now there's there are these... Do you really want to do Dominic Rab? Really, Dominic yeah. Rab and Ben Wallace or Jeremy Hunt or these politicians? Um, but it was no different in the eighties. They had people like Leon Britton, they had uh, Norman Fowler and Kenneth Baker and these people, but they made them into different characters. So I think Kenneth Baker was a snail or a slug or something <laughs> like that. Norman Tebbit had his Nazi helmet on, and uh, and they made characters of them. When uh, and so that was what resonated in the public eye. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then people become to be doing impressions of that character rather than exactly. the person themselves. Yes. So because yes. always... Paddy Ashdown used to say, "My wife says uh, that uh, I sound very much. I look and I sound very much like you," <laughs> <laughs> which is a lovely thing. And uh, the last thing he said, I, I invited him to do a book festival, and uh, so eventually I said, uh, as we parted, and I said, "So I'll see you in Melrose." And he said, "Not if I see you in the mirror first." <laughs> um, so it's a bit of a weird thing. It's like people do people come like their dogs, do people turn into their impressions? I remember Murray Walker also. He said, Well, I don't think I sound anything like your impression, but if people laugh, then I suppose I do. <laughs> so it's just one of the things. I think there is something awkward about doing an impression to the person as well. Because you're because oh. you're um highlighting those bits that they don't pay attention to. <laughs> I remember doing an impression of McIntyre to to McIntyre. Oh, well, I didn't I, want to hear that. And I was saying that Michael, sometimes you've got this squeak <laughs> where you'll talk and you go, Yes, I, I understand that point. And it's terribly exciting. But then <laughs> you, you go squeaky again. And he was going Yes, but you see, I don't think I do that. And you go, yes, but you do, Michael. <laughs> you oh, don't understand. So I love that crack in the voice. And you know, almost on the call, give me some more of that. It's always just on the verge. Of, well, it, of, it, of... it sounds like he's about a 13-year-old boy and he's trying to sound a lot older than he is. And he's... Yes, there's the, there's the growl. Oh, there's, there's the growl. <laughs> but then it, it feels like I'm hitting puberty for the first time. You know? Oh, that's <laughs> lovely. That's good. And and the you know the, and and he does clip things, doesn't he? Actually, oh, I was I was drifting. Did you notice I was drifting into Charles Brandt? <laughs> you get Charles Brandt. So yeah, Michael McIntyre. It's what McGowan calls um, 
voice bunkers when you're doing one and it just it just rolls off one and into another and mcintyre into james who draws brandon this is me it's a, it's, it's, it's 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 a comic possibility isn't it? <laughs> well that's how i got uh, president trump that's how i got it because i was listening to his voice thinking how do i get trump and i realized well he's a new yorker the easiest new yorker to impersonate is joe pesci bada boom bada bing you want to buy a hot dog you stay with that voice and trump has been surrounded by media for all years and for years in america the only media voice you'd hear is that looking out on that golden gate bridge on another sunny saturday morning <laughs> and if you add that in you add some joe pesci you've got the donald and he goes straight in and as you say he becomes larger than life and you you add them so and you layer them all together and it's it's so refreshing to chat to someone that gets it as well <laughs> do you know well, what I mean? <laughs> these are spot on i just i make i should retire Cal, retire, <laughs> because, because i gotta tell you i think you're the best i think you're the best that it's ever been i really do and uh you're wonderful very talented gentleman very talented gentleman and uh, you see, the weird thing is because I think I've got, I've got a feeling Trump isn't going anywhere. And whereas personally or politically, you're thinking, oh, really, does the world need another? I thought I'd switch that off. Um, does the world need another four years of Donald mm. Trump? Uh, and then you think, well, your act kind of needs another four years. Of Trump, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's a bit scary. And I mean, I suppose similarly with with Boris when you're sort of when you're watching all this, and uh, you know, I mean, all this the Boris against Cummings is <laughs> tweeted yesterday. It's not a new line, but it's looking increasingly like two one-legged men in an ass-kicking competition. <laughs> when you just, <laughs> but I, 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 you see, that's the only, I, but it, I was just, today I was watching Keir Starmer and he was using jokes in Prime Minister's Questions. And there's a couple of things about that, which is that I remember uh, when William Haig was the leader of the opposition, <laughs> you remember, Cal, uh, you are old enough to remember in the early, uh, mid-90s, <clears throat> what he, what uh, William Haig himself calls the, uh, the, uh, <laughs> The night shift as conservative leader. <laughs> and I remember once thinking, God, he is there in his office at Downing Street before Prime Minister's Question Time. And he, we are in an office sort of trying to work out the politics, trying to understand, because I think the big thing is trying to make sense of stuff before you make nonsense of it. So I was trying to work out what the politics was before I could sat satirise it and try yeah. to work that out. Meanwhile, he was in Downing Street thinking up jokes. I thought, this is weird, because the politicians are thinking up jokes. <laughs> Well, the comedians are trying to make sense of, of the politics. And I think today, Keir Starmer was used to joke or two, like saying something like, oh, I think the, the Tories have brought their own booze, which is a very good line. But I, unfortunately, sometimes you can let, the, you, you can set the atmosphere and the atmosphere is going to be not entirely serious. But I think yeah. there might have been a joke if you'd said, um, you know, to the Prime Minister, your Keir Starmer would be better than mine. But if you'd said something like, well, we know that the party had the support of the Prime Minister. But the Prime Minister doesn't have the support of the party, does he? And to turn it on the back benches and say, look around, Prime Minister, look at, you know, you look at your party behind, they're waving their order papers. But you know very, very well, if you look into the eyes of everyone there, that many of them have already submitted letters for your resignation. Yeah. And turning and then becoming a bit more serious. But that was a, that was a case of a joke that might have worked. But if you if you use a joke, but, but Haig was very good at it because, I mean, a very good, when he, he said, I remember when they were going for London mayor uh, and uh, Tony Blair had two candidates. There was, there was uh, Frank, Frank Dobson. Do you remember Frank Dobson? Vaguely, uh, yes. We need yeah. more money, money <laughs> in the health service. 
Uh, and actually, I'll tell you, so remind me, Frank Lobson after this. So Frank Lobson was his uh, Labour, Tony Blair's candidate for London Mayor, and uh, Ken Livingston wanted to stand as an independent. So William Hague very funnily said, uh, said, well, why don't we ask both of them to stand as mayor? In fact, you could get both of them. And then Frank Dobson could be your day mayor and Ken Livingston could be your nightmare. And that worked very well. <laughs> Frank Dobson met uh, Nelson Mandela supposedly. And uh, I think he met him twice. And the second time uh, he went up to, uh, to Mandela and Mandela said, ah, hello, Frank. <laughs> Good to see you again. And Frank was so tickled, he couldn't think what to say. So it was a rather awkward silence. And Mandela said, you do remember me, don't you, Frank? <laughs> so there you go. God, I didn't know what we were going to talk about today. But there we go. <laughs> Do you ever find that doing impressions of of politicians in particular, do you ever find it dangerous? Because if you look back, we've talked about for years the power of the papers and things like that, and that's slightly going down with social media. But that shows like Spit and Image or Not the Nine O'Clock News or Have I Got News for It, whatever it is, that's where a lot of people get their political knowledge from rather than Mm -hmm. actually watching BBC Parliament or something like that. So do you ever feel that maybe making a caricature or a joke of, say, Boris, saying, and all this, actually endears people to Boris rather than actual Boris, if that makes sense? Yeah, well, absolutely. Well, there's a load of points in there. I think that's true. I mean, it does concern Sometimes you think, well, Prime Minister's question where I think that when Keir Starmer went for the joke, it suddenly there was just a release of tension. It was a moment when, if you contrast that with an interview that he did, I know this, I don't know when this will go out, but an interview that Boris did with Beth Rigby the night before, and she was very forensic and very serious with the questions, and Boris looked very, very uncomfortable and, and beaten, and he was breathing heavily and all the rest of it. So that's a case where actually a politician doing a joke or in a situation telling a joke or being funny can actually let people off the hook. Similarly, if people are laughing, we think of laughter, you know, as so in, in terms of politics, as a sort of, you know, an escape valve, a, 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 a safety valve or whatever. And part of satire sometimes is when you make a point that people are thinking already, but you manage to make it in a joke. And so that release of the laughter and the release where people are laughing is also because they're thinking, yes, that's, that's exactly it. That's, that's what I think about that. That's a really good analogy or that sort of fits. Um, you know, if you say uh, it's trying to make politicians look more, more, more ridiculous then you realize that with Boris Johnson, you've got a prime minister who brushes his hair with a balloon. <laughs> and people, yes, that's it. That's, that's the thing about So, um, so you, you know, but, but using those jokes and that it can let people off the hook. And you think, well, Trump is very serious indeed. And, and Boris is very serious indeed. Um, and an even wider point, you think, well, okay, if uh, satire, which kind of is thought of as beginning in terms of British TV satire with not, not with them, uh, that was the week that was in the sort of sixties. Uh, um, and there they came in at the beginning. There was very much the age of deference where prime ministers were treated with great um, respect. And it was like, uh, prime minister, would you like to tell us your, uh, your plans for the day for a grateful nation? 
Um, and they completely under undermined that. And so the age of deference had gone by the mm -hmm. time you get to into the 70s. And of course, then with spitting image Norris. So as politicians, there is no research respect. They're not taken seriously. And there is, you're absolutely right. There is a sense in which maybe, you know, we we do need to take politicians, politicians seriously. Um, it's another factor. Why would you go into politics anyway, if you're not only going to not get paid particularly well relatively uh, for the job and the responsibilities. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's just so much public ridicule. Uh, why would you, why would you want to do that? So all of that, you know, you have to sort of factor in there are times when I just think, you know, are, are you letting them off the hook or are people not, to, uh, are, you, are you encouraging people to laugh when really they should be on the streets? Um, but uh, you know, there's only there's only so many things that you can take <laughs> responsibility for, Cal, as you know. Um, but it is a, it's it's uh, it's an interesting point that you make. <laughs> Do you think it's more difficult now to think of impressions that are relevant? Uh, oh gosh, how do you mean? Um, so, in what I would say is when. when Back when there were, say, five, between three and five channels, there were only those people. And I suppose, I think Alistair McGowan's actually said that you'd have to look at the TV guide and look at who you wanted to work on. Whereas now you can go on YouTube and research anybody for hours and listen to their voice. However, there's such a large scope of people to impersonate you you, you can do now. Do you find it more difficult to find uh, a relatable and relevant impression that's yeah. going to be popular well again lot, there's lots of things there when i started out we had bbc one bbc two and itv and of course that was the heyday when mike yarwood who was yep. sort of my hero when i was you know my early teens and used to record that show and who do you think you are was another one um uh, which was a comedy show as opposed to a, a genealogy um show but um so yes i used to at that time i used to listen sort of i loved um listening to mike yard but we, that everyone knew who he was doing who he was doing because we only had, had three channels and it was like the sort of the nation sat down to the same meal at the end of the day. So we all knew who, you know, David Attenborough was. We all yeah. knew who Morecambe and Wise were. We all knew who <laughs> Bob Monkhouse, Robert Bob. <laughs> <laughs> we remember lovely Bob with opportunity knocks, of course. <laughs> that amazing laugh. Um, so we all knew. Uh, and then it went with Channel 4 and then satellites. So, yes, you've got all these different people and characters. But the thing is, as far as audience recognition goes, you know, there may be somebody who's really brilliant on some satellite channel or uh, a niche thing, and you do a brilliant impression of him, uh, but people have never heard of them. Yeah. Um, but actually, then uh, that's a goal again. And that sort of works another way when you think, God, nobody's done that. Oh, yes, there is that bloke. I've seen him occasionally. Uh, yeah. Uh, but uh, so you know you, you can sort of get it, get an impression that nobody else can get, and then then there's a lovely recognition because if you recognise that impression, it's not just because he's everywhere and you've got it, but it's because oh somebody else watches the same programmes that I do or has got the same interests, which always connects another connects people up again. Um, but then um, I think in terms of how I look for voices now, I mean I don't. There's part of me which thinks I mean I'm. I'm I went into a country the other day and they said, uh, what's your date of birth? And I said, 6461. And then they said, how old are you? And I thought, well, you know, do the math. <laughs> um, and so, but I heard this voice say, I'm 60. And I thought, I'm, you're not 60. What are you talking about? And uh, But I am, as it happens, uh, you know, although I feel sort of in my 40s. But here's the thing. 
it is it's much funnier to be in your 20s doing sending up and doing impressions of people in their 60s yeah. than it is in your 60s sending up people who are in their 20s do you know yes. what i mean i'm not yeah, so, yeah. i'm not sure that works so if i was to start out and think gosh I'm, there's loads of new impressions coming or even people like you know ryland clark neal or people like that who are sort of ubiquitous or uh ramish or you know um if I were to do those, I would be kind of, or even Josh Whittaker, you know, I would be this at 60 doing impressions of people who are 20, 30, 40 years younger than I am. Yeah. So I kind of, you know, I suppose I just, I, I keep now to either, you know, the, the politicians, um, the politicians du jour, as I'm sure Jacob would say. <laughs> um, so those people who are in the public eye or, um, just playing with that thing about, you know, I've got impressions who are national institutions like, like David Attenborough, <laughs> whose voice, as you will have noticed, has changed because when we were younger, it was very open and, but now it's got much more closed and it's got a little S sound in it. Uh, and you then start to play with that and say, you know, the beauty of impressions is you can make people say things that they'd never say, like David Attenborough yeah. saying, this tiny little creature, defenseless, endangered, frightened, and I have to say, absolutely delicious. <laughs> or the one I'm really enjoying at the moment is Prince Charles. Uh, Prince Charles, I'll come back to it later. Well, when I mentioned Rhys Mogg, you know, if you think, think of what they what they could do, you know, Rhys Mogg, even reading the shipping forecast, you know, <laughs> um, Viking, Northwood Surah, Southwood Surah, um, et cetera. But the Prince Charles I'm working on at the moment, which is um, the idea... <laughs> The idea of him ringing up Meghan Markle to <laughs> congratulate her on the on the birth of her second daughter, the announcement of uh, that she's having a second child, um, but in the style of Liam Neeson from Taken. <laughs> so it's uh, I don't know who you are. I don't know. Who, I don't know what you want, but I do have a very particular set of skills. If you let my son go now, that'll be the end of it. But if you don't, I will hunt you down, I will find you, and I will kill you. So, I mean, there's all sorts of things. There. I mean, the, there's the incongruity of Prince Charles doing that. And then there's the kind of halfway in, you get that thing of, uh, it's true, if you let my son go now, the idea that she's yes. holding him hostage, which has a, kind of, <laughs> has a kind of truth in it, doesn't it? Um, so... That, so that's where I'm having the fun now. It's kind of, I use the characters. I've got got characters that I love using. But it's weird. I mean, if I were to stand up and do a brilliant impression of Jeremy Hunt or, as I say, or Wes Streeting or, um, I don't know, something like that, I'm not sure that I would get the same thing because I know that audiences still will laugh if I do David Blunkett or John Prescott or that yeah. extraordinary Labour can cabinet of the 90s and 2000s where everybody seemed to be a character. You know, you had your Peter Mandelsons, of course, very threatening. <laughs> I know where you live, Cal. Um, you had a John Prescott who was like, you know, Les Dawson. I was, I was in the doctors the other day. I said, doctor, I've got steering wheel stuck on the enemy knob and it's driving me nuts. Um, and there was, there was David Blunkett who was always a bit more uh, threatening than you thought, you know, don't pat the dog, he'll have your effing head off. Um, <laughs> Do you know, it's funny, and, I remember. And Brown, and Brown of course. Oh, so God. you felt, you know, I had all those people to play with. And even to this day, um, sort of audiences, I, I've kind of weaned them out of the act. But if I have to do a long form act, 
um, and if it's got to be, it's a crowd pleasing act, if you like, um, then I know that people love, they love the John Prescott. They love yeah. the, so, so I think if I'm trying to be cutting edge, it's got to be the, the new, the newer material. But if, as I say, if it's crowd pleasing, um, then, you know, heavens, what's wrong with a comedian being crowd pleasing? Um, and, you know, it's like a, if that, it's like when George Michael did, I think it was a closing ceremony for the Olympics. And he came out and decided it was a good moment to do a couple of his new songs. Said, no, 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 read the room, George. Read the room. You know what they want. <laughs> they want I know it's a bit early for uh, for last Christmas. But give us August, faith. That's what we want. <laughs> give us faith. Give us faith and piss off. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned David Blunkett there. It's just reminding me of a story. I was studying politics uh, in Shrewsbury, which is where I'm from. And we went down the the... the the class that we were in, we went down to London to watch a load of politicians. George Galloway was there, Lemba Opic was there, um, and David Blunkett was one of them. And David Blunkett <laughs> came on. Uh, it's an impressionist's dream there, really, and a comedian's dream. I was there, and I was watching David Blunkett, and he spoke for about 15 and a half minutes. But I knew it was coming to the end because his guide dog stood up. <laughs> so his guide dog had clearly heard this bloody speech so many oh, times. Goodness. Even the guide oh, dog wonderful. went, yeah, I've, this is the what end now. <laughs> observation that's fantastic God, how brilliant yes um and also i mean i was talking about frank dobson earlier and um i once went to it was camden town hall and i'd been asked because there were the elections in nicaragua and they were fully expecting that um was it the sandinistas uh were going to win ortego um that the, anyway that the left-wing um kind of revolutionary guys were going to win again and so we were kind of summoned to camden town hall for a party and overnight i got the news that uh, the american candidate violetta shamora i think had won and they'd beaten the revolution so i arrived at camden town hall to see a, a room full of really really depressed nicaraguans <laughs> you know with guitars <laughs> discarded and these sort of ponchos and things and hat, cowboy hat things and they looked really really upset and i thought this is really going to go down well what am i going to say and frank dobson said don't worry i've got a belting one i've got a i've got a great opening line <laughs> i thought oh, well, right okay on you go i can't wait to see this and there is this room of very depressed Nicaraguans and Frank Dobson walks on stage and says, well, what a booger. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) And I just, somehow they avoided the temptation to rip him limb from limb. But I just thought, how could you think that what a booger? I've got it. I've sussed it. I've sussed it. I'll win them round. (laughs) I've got a great, I've got a great opening line. (laughs) Anyway, so there you go. Are there any impressions that you do specifically just for your amusement rather than anybody else? Because I know you mentioned you end up, you sounded like Tony Blair walking around because it drives my partner mad, me walking around in different voices. I do it all the time. And Mm. there are times where I think I even forget my normal accent. But are Mm. there any impressions that you do just for your own amusement? Um, well, I mean, I, I just, I got stuck in a bit. I've been stuck in a bit of a Trump world. I gotta say, <laughs> so that becomes the, you know, they got the rhythm. The, the Blair thing was just actually the rhythm of the way that, you know, actually he spoke and you started to get, you know, in your ordinary things or, and every now and again, you just think, oh, hang on, where, you know, there's that, I mentioned ADHD at the beginning, but your mind works very quickly. And, and sometimes if you're talking to somebody and you, and you hear yourself say a phrase, I go, oh, where have I heard that? Oh yes, I use that phrase in my such and such act. Yes. Um, I don't, I mean, I think I used to have that sort of people call it that 
sort of uh, Tourette's almost of wanting to do voices and needing to. I mean, on something like this, I know I sort of hit the ground running with with John Cleese and, and, and Morris all <laughs> because the you know we're doing a podcast. We want to make people laugh. We want to kind of entertain people. And yeah. you know, if you did, I say, if you did get the one and only Rory, and I just spent the whole time saying, "Well, do you know the interesting thing about comedy?" <laughs> Something I've studied is is laughter. Where does it come from? I mean, what is the part of us? You'd think after five minutes, people would say, "No, come on, Rory, you know, do do us your David Blunkett." I, I suppose there's some voices that you know, nobody is you know, like your neighbour or uh, yeah. somebody who a, a local. Or my daughter does a lot of show jumping. That's what she loves doing. And so there's some show jumping commentators that I kind of, or some show jumpers indeed, who are quite fun to do. Yeah. Um, there's one who's a little bit like Andy Murray. Who likes his always talks very down and it doesn't and and there's a, a German with a very high voice called <laughs> Michael Young, which is a great home for that old Stanley Baxter joke, which is I went to uh, get ice cream from the ice cream van, and uh, I said, "Can I have an ice cream?" He said, "Yes." Uh, and he said, crushed nuts. I said, no, it just, I always talk like this. <laughs> so very silly. So uh, there's a there's a Michael Young impression. Is it Michael Young? Yeah, Michael Young. He's a very good event rider, although he's also a very good show jumper. Um, so yeah, there are a, f- a few of those um, for my own uh, amusement. And um, yes, who do I use at home? Oh, my father-in-law, which is yes. got a very particular voice. It is, it is funny how, because you, that's the first thing I do. If I meet someone, I listen to their voice and go, oh, that's a really distinct voice. Because there's a, there's a guy that used to do radio up here on BBC Newcastle called Paddy McDee. And he hasn't been on the radio for years. But for, I'm constantly going, oh, I'm restoring the washing today. And he's got this voice that just seems very calming. And, uh, and I he, love that it, voice. It means absolutely nothing. Do you know what I mean? Nobody knows who it is. Whereas if oh, I give him a bit more, a bit more. Well, you know, I'm, I'm chatting, chatting to Rory Bramner. Oh, wonderful! I the, love that on the podcast. But it, it's <laughs> absolutely useless to anybody. But it's just a voice that I can't help but do for mm. no reason oh, whatsoever. No. Well, my- my father-in-law, he's. Uh, I hope none of my family listened to this, um, but um, he talks about wire, <laughs> where he means about a piece, a piece of wire. And then so I said, well, if he's talking about firewire, that firewire, that would be great. He said, Have you got a computer that's on firewire? <laughs> <laughs> firewire, or what? You know, it's just fabulous. So, um, yeah, but we love voices. That's why we do it. But also we're fans, aren't we, at heart? I mean, yeah. you're a sports fan as well. I mean, yeah, you mentioned absolutely. tennis earlier. Absolutely. And that's how I suppose one of the things that got me into it was hours and hours of watching test matches with Richie Benno and, and Jim Leuker. Um, and uh, and then you just, you know, you just you ingest a lot of television. You probably, um, you know, as, as a child growing up, I used to watch a lot. It'll be different now because we'll be watching YouTube and, and yeah. stuff online. And, well, it's and, funny you say uh, that, actually. I, I mentioned before about how, finding the voices. Whenever I've done kids' comedy, it's not my forte, but it's kind of at the end when I've quickly run out of children's material, I, I start getting the kids to shout out different voices for me to do. And if anything, it's market research, and it's all yes. YouTubers, and I haven't got a bloody clue who they are. Yeah, there the you time. go. There you so go. It, it's you very interesting. Wouldn't. So tell me, I mean, I suppose there'd be things like, oh God, um, I mean, this is the, the, well, I don't know, Dick and Dom and stuff like that. Or, but um, when my children were growing up, it was Balamori and stuff. And mm. so it's amazing to be working with Miles Jupp now, who is such yeah. a brilliant comedian. I want to hear more of these voices that you're you're doing about the sort of, you know, do you do a sort of 
Uh, is it Josh Whitaker? Well, yeah, you, I, I, I started stuff? doing a lot of comics on the six. So obviously, my cult was on there. Then there was a <laughs> bit of John Bishop, you know, who sounds like his, his tongue's a bit too big for his mouth, you know. He always and, says, people always make people. me sound as if I've had a stroke. You know, they do. They do do that, though, don't they? You know. And then, uh, and then uh, I had Kevin Bridges for quite a while. You know? So, because Kevin had that pattern and which he would talk. <laughs> Thank you. So and you'd talk in a part. And then Alan, obviously, Alan Carr would talk very happily. And he'd be mm-hmm. talking all over the shop. But he's got a mixture of an accent, partly Mancunian, partly London. And you listen. And he does to... sound a bit like a gay Dalek, doesn't he? He does a little bit. Yeah, he does. Can, you, a... do, um, can you do, um, who was I thinking of? Russell Brand? Russell Brand, you know, I don't think I've ever tried Russell Brand. I'm trying Brand, to locate that one. Is it, he, I, I tend to go a little bit Frank Spencer with that one. Like, <laughs> oh, Betty. I'm going to get the winkle out now. <laughs> you know, that stuff. You so know, yeah, you, somebody said, I think it was, that, it was uh, Luke Kempner, that's right, because Luke, Luke is very good. And I think and he he said, you know, it's a, it's a bit of that Frank Spencer, but then with rude words, put in like, get me winkle out. Yeah, it you is. Know, that's so. right. Cause, actually, yeah, because I do find lots of voices merged together in like the, the Joe Pesquale's very quickly turned. <laughs> into a David Beckham quite quickly you know so there, there are different voices that do merge and I think but being in the north I'm in Newcastle upon Tyne so you have to be on top of the football managers quite a lot and no yes. no one really learned a good Rafa Benitez it was just Phil very much this is what we're going mm. to do and you mm. just do that. whereas whereas Steve Bruce he he was very very softly spoken you know but it was <laughs> kind of I've been in this game a long time you know, and I've I've been here, oh, and I I know what I'm doing. You know, uh, but, that's uh, very good. But it's just well, right, to... what about now, Mourinho? Now again, I've, I've talked about Alistair a lot. Alistair being he's but Mourinho is tricky because sometimes he'll say uh, a T when it's um, you know how they, instead of th, sometimes he'll say the, sometimes he'll or he'll say. Uh, you know, how to say that, and sometimes he'll take that. Yeah, yeah. Have you done Mourinho? I haven't done Mourinho, but I would imagine he's, he's, without listening to him, he's a... Uh, he's, uh, he's got a little bit of um, that um, uh, Russian, little little Russian influence like... and a little bit of uh, uh, Portuguese as well. But uh, it, you yeah, try to throw it in. Is it all purpose? So I'm 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 a bit more rugby stuff. So so I'm a tremendous fan of Gavin Hastings. And did you know? <laughs> have you ever heard him speak? Because the thing about Gavin is he talks incredibly slowly. And I did something the other day for a friend of mine. And it found its way to Gavin. So I got this wee WhatsApp that came back and said, you're a very cheeky bloke, Mr. Brandon. <laughs> and uh, I kind of I sort of enjoyed that because it obviously winged around the, the sort of social media thing and then got to him and came back. But that's one that was great fun to do. And of course, uh, he's a great... Uh, and um, who's the other rugby? It was uh, the um, who's the Welsh Eddie Butler. Eddie Butler. And there's only one line I can think of. That Eddie Butler is, and that's his very very short phrase, which is "A stadium awaits." Because <laughs> he just loves that kind of a stadium awaits. And he does a lot of those at the beginning of the season when somebody's decided, right? Okay, they've either got George the poet or something to do a thing, and they've they've cut it together to lots of things like, uh, and or maybe even something Shakespearean. So it's like you know, cry God for King Harry, and they've done this, and so he's very very good at that. So um, yeah, we just love the characters. It's back to what I was saying. I'm a sports fan. 
first and foremost. And then it became, um, you know, watching Mike Yarwood or that was, yeah. in the, I go back a long way, I'm afraid, Cal, to sort of, you know, Ted Heath and Harold Wilson. And the only thing I ever made in a woodworking class was a sort of model pipe so I could try and be Harold Wilson. But uh, <laughs> it's okay, because nobody knows what he sounded like then. So uh, I get away with that. Um, it's made him sound a bit like Alan Bennett. I don't know where that came <laughs> from. Somewhere at the back of my mind. It is, it is an, an odd influence. I, I do. I find a lot of voices very calming as well. That you can, if I'm feeling a little bit over, I could do an Andrew Carter. Well, oh, I love Andrew Carter. A great voice saying, "Oh, a good on." And you just keep that. It's smooth and same with Steve Bruce. You know, it's 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 in the same range where you Steve Bruce and then your Andrew Carter is Olive and Mabel are fighting away and oh the dog's got it very good oh, so very good. and i met him in scotland and it was so weird because i didn't know what he looked like and it's that classic thing about you know what and and he was he's actually very sort of bashful and, and sort of shy and self-deprecating but i do love it oh, what a wonderful thing he did in lockdown oh it? brilliant I'm absolutely brilliant about my dogs and it's and it so, it's, a sort of cult it is very <laughs> odd it is very odd because i do look at sports commentators because i think that is that's a great impersonation to do because people only ever hear the voice really they never really see the person and then that was my influence on my mum watching the tennis and things like that but then my dad's side was all action film so you have Sylvester Stallone, hey, this guy's going to go over here, you got this, and then you Arnold Schwarzenegger's, and then you're Liam Neeson, give me back my daughter. And it's, you'd, you'd have all these things, so I was like, I couldn't have... Teach me how to do Liam Neeson again. So, Liam, Liam's got the gravelly voice. Ah, uh, so, I don't know who you are. So, the way... Oh, that's very good. <laughs> <laughs> so what it is? I said, I, you know, I was trying to get. Uh, suddenly, I realised that's a bit Billy Connolly there. It is. It's not it far then. away from Billy. But I mean, it's a Billy Connolly. You know, he's big and he's out there, and he's Billy Connolly. And if you if you if you bring it in a bit, you get Neil Oliver. Have you, <laughs> that? you know what are they telling you? It's those people out there. They're making up things, and you don't want to listen to them. And it's a weird. And then you open it up again, and you get Billy. <laughs> So Liam Neeson, oh, is it Irish? It's Irish. It's there, Irish. It? It's Irish. But it's only a subtle bit of Irish. Oh, that's good. So he's yeah, and he anything he says always sounds very threatening, and it's like mm. so that's that's says your act there. That was the bit of stand up I used to go. I'd like to return this puppy. So <laughs> do you know <laughs> what? What do you? That's he goes, oh God, yes. No, you see, that's the beauty of impressions. You take somebody and you from completely out of context, and you just have the, yes, brilliant. I did. Uh, was it? Um, was it? Who was the guy? But um, on Strictly, the, the Bruno. That's right. Oh, you Bruno, Bruno Tony, in the weather yeah, forecast. Yeah. You know. Oh, <laughs> there will be the most tremendous thunder and lightning going through the sky. But brightening up later, I have to say, my darling. Um, but that was, you know, just yeah, sorry. Um, just, just it's yeah, it's just putting people into into weird um, situations. Yeah. There's uh, uh, what I do Clarkson like. Thing. Twenties plenty. <laughs> <laughs> there are voices. No, no, Hammond. <laughs> you buffoon. You buffoon. Do you do Clarkson? Do you do a Clarkson? Do you do a Jeremy Clarkson? So nice. I was, I was that, I've noticed that. Who's the guy on uh, 
location, location, Phil. Phil, yeah. But if yeah. you have a listen, then he's beginning to sound more and more like Clarkson. He's <laughs> just drifting. It's exactly that. This is the impression thing. So you turn Billy Connolly down a little bit, you get Neil Oliver. Turn Clarkson down a little bit, you get Phil from location, location. It's funny, go. isn't it? It's fun because I like putting voices in wrong, wrong locations. That one of my first bits of stand-up with impressions I did was having the three main voiceover guys. Sorry, your Peter Dixon voice. That one was in, <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, along with uh, Alan Dedicoat, we're dancing the cha-cha-cha. It's time for the national lottery, and uh, and I'd add that Very one good. along with uh, Marcus Bentley. That was the dear forty-five. It's sixty-four. am and all this sort of stuff. And I put them together in a in a sex tape, and it was oh, like very good. so. It was uh, it was like, dear five, and Alan Dedecourt is giving it to Peter Dixon, and it was <laughs> like, please stop Who's touching another my one you big can money ball. Who's the um, Love Island guy? Um, the Love Island guy. Yeah, it's, it's got uh, this one this week on Love Island. It's me, Ian Sterling. Ian and it's, Sterling, <laughs> that's the one. God. Listen, I just I could listen to these impressions all day. <laughs> we probably need to wrap up quite soon. I know. I was going to say I've been waffling on for too long, so I've got two no, more I questions for you, Rory. Uh, what okay, quick fire? What's next for you? Okay, well, I'm just off on tour with. I'm sorry, I haven't a clue. Um, so that'll be with uh, Miles. I mentioned Miles Jarp and Jack D and uh, Marcus is doing some and Tony Hawks and Pippa Evans. He's just brilliant. So I'm doing that. Um, live shows and sort of cabarets and things picking up. I did a tour with Jan Ravens. I don't know if we'll pick that back up again. Um, doing a lot of traveling for because my daughter's going to be doing some show jumping in sort of different places around the world. Fantastic. Uh, and so I'm kind of, yeah, it's part of me doing that because I think it's work life. I mean, I just worked, 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 worked for sort of 30 years and I'm starting to learn, you know, I need to kind of put that pendulum back the other way. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, I'm, I'm kind of also, I, I need a new challenge really as well. I yeah. love a, I just love a new challenge. You never know what might be in the inbox. I mean, while we've been talking something, when you got that annoying bing halfway through, it might've been somebody saying, you know, we'd really like you to do a 14 part series uh, going from the top of America to the bottom. And you go, uh, that sounds great. Lead me to it. I'd love to do that because you could get halfway down America and then you'll find a guy who sounds very similar. <laughs> And uh, if you listen, actually, the other Trump is a bit like uh, Louis Walsh. Louis Walsh says, I just want people to vote for you. I want people to vote for me. You know, it's the same thing. Anyway, there you go. So we've had similarities. Connolly and Neil Oliver, uh, Louis Walsh and Donald Trump. Uh, what were the ones you were talking about earlier? Um, anyway, anyway, I don't know. Anyway. I don't know whose voice this is close to, but I've, I've always found Louis Theroux funny by oh. by making him rhyme thing. That's always made me laugh. You go, how do you go do? On. I'm Louis Theroux. Have who's done a poo? Was it you? very good? It might be soon. I haven't a clue. And you just, I've always oh, found a, a reason for and that like, questioning. That yeah. a, can you say that? Do you feel that? You know, is, is that, that yeah. is that how you Am feel? I right? Am I right in thinking that? Is that right? I don't really want, I don't wish to disclose that, but um, I understand. Uh, final question for you, Rory. Uh, yeah. Who would you like to see on this podcast? Oh, that's an interesting one. Who would I like to see on this podcast? That's put me absolutely right on the spot. Um, uh, I was thinking about, I always, you know, B. Connolly would be a lovely one to have, but I don't know if you'd ever, you know, sort of get him uh, these days. You should do one with, with uh, McIntyre if you haven't McIntyre. already. Just you, you can have two McIntyres on that. <laughs> um, or with Stuart Lee and what makes him tick. 
Um, I'll tell you who makes me laugh most at the moment. That's Bill Bailey. I do I do enjoy Bill Bailey and uh, Andy Zaltzman as well, who satisfies both my comedy and my cricket um, sides. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Thank you so much, Rory. I've got a big list there. Andy Zaltzman, McIntyre, Connolly, Stuart Lee and Bill Bailey. They'll all be getting messages. Rory, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure. And do keep in touch. I love your voices. It's fantastic. It makes me, it makes me want to be young again. <laughs> there we go. I'm a bit of Charles Brandreth. I'm now terribly old. But I'm very, very jealous. Uh, it should make me envious. All right. Take care. <laughs> Thank I you, love Rory. you. And yeah, enjoy the podcast. Keep listening, everyone. Thank you very much. Speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. The Cal Halbert Podcast. And there we have it, my friends. Series two is up and running. Please, please, please don't forget to like, share and subscribe to the Cal Halbert podcast. That really helps us out and really helps other people finding the podcast. And while you're there, please give us a five star review. That'd be amazing. If you want to keep supporting the podcast and helping us with all the costs of putting the show together, we do have a Patreon. That is in the description. Find that somewhere. And until next time, goodbye. The Cal Halbert Podcast. You've been listening to a Calbert Media Production.